Hello and welcome to the 30,000 foot view, just one of a new series of podcasts coming out of the team at the Go Agency. Here we will be discussing both marketing and business and where the industry currently finds itself. Here we speak to those leading the discussions from the world of marketing and advertising. I'm Sam Fowler, a senior account manager here at the Go Agency and joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Shepard, one of the three founders at the Go Agency. Aaron, I'm very excited about our guest today. Likewise. So Ollie Green is our guest today. The first question I asked him this morning is, is he taking over the world? To which the answer was, I'm trying. Um, piece by piece. Yeah. So Ollie is CEO of Tangent um, and Brave Bison. Brave Bison is a, um, a big social publisher, uh, public listed company. Um, they have recently acquired um, The Hook um, out of administration and I think what I'm excited to talk to Ollie about today is, you know, for those that have listened to lots of podcasts or the vlogs, they'll have heard me talk about the new holding agency that's going to be created here. And I think there's a handful of people on the planet that are trying to do that right now. We're obviously one of those people. And for me, Ollie is another one. So obviously a very interesting time where, you know, there's lots of opportunity around, obviously lots of issues as well. But um really a lot of opportunity and, and it's great to see somebody taking advantage of that and, and already making purchases so welcome ollie how are you doing today yeah good thanks for having me guys i'm delighted to be here how have the last three or four months been for for you guys is obviously i explained at the beginning this is obviously a, a, a you know a, a time of turmoil but any time of turmoil creates opportunities for for entrepreneurs that can see it so what are you seeing right now so it's definitely been very intense. I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life, um, but, but I would agree with you. There's definitely loads of opportunities springing up. I think that it's been, it's been tricky on some of the teams not to sort of have that, that human interaction, um, but we're all working really, really well remotely. And I think that businesses in our sector, um, you know, are faring much better off than, than maybe some, some, some more sort of traditional businesses that actually find working from home or working remotely uh, almost impossible. Uh, so from, from an operational perspective, um, I think we're, we're, we're getting used to it, but we're still sort of craving that, that human interaction. And are you, are you hearing that from, from what's the desperation levels of people to get back in the offices? Is that something that you're dealing with currently? So I think most people actually are keen to, to be in the office. I think what people are less keen to do is, is go on public transport. Um, but, but for those people that can cycle in or walk in, you know, people are definitely keen to, to get back to sort of uh, as close to normal as possible. Um, we, we actually have the first few people in the office today um, here at Tangent, uh, which is nice. Um, and, and obviously, we've tried to sort of make everything as COVID secure as, as possible. Um, but I think those people that have to sort of travel in on, on the tube or on trains are a little bit more hesitant and understandably. So how do you how do you see that working for you guys practically over the next six to nine months from a working environment? Do you, do you have a plan to be more flexible than you were previously? Are you, you know, it, is the team really, really keen to get back in in the long run or are they keen for a more flexible I think people solution. are definitely more keen to, to sort of as much flexibility as possible. I mean, I, I started COVID um, 
feeling quite sort of, uh, I guess, stressed about people working from home for such a long time. Um, typically, I've never really worked from home. Most of the guys across Tangent and Brave Bison tend to work probably one, maybe two days from home a week, but I just sort of never really did. But actually, I, I've sort of, I guess I've, 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 I've swung around a little bit and, I, and I'm far more positive about it. I think that it can be a lot more efficient. Um, I think people end up being a lot more organized they obviously cut out the sort of commute time, which is stressful and, and frankly, pretty unproductive. Um, and so I think that, you know, moving forward, people will definitely work from home two, maybe three days a week. Um, and I also think that companies will probably begin to um, like downscale their, their office sizes. And you might have, you know, 0.75 desks per person or maybe even 0.5 desks per person and then operate some kind of, shared desk or, or hot desking model um, because obviously property and space in London and other major cities is super expensive and it's just an overhead that I don't think is going to be as sort of um, necessary. That said, I think there'll be a, a, a bigger drive to sort of more flexible working. Um, one of our clients uh, at Tangent is, is IWG um, and I think those guys are seeing lots of sort of inbounds and People are going to want more, more flexibility with their with their premises. So I want to just sort of. I'm very aware that you're looking at lots of um, lots of other companies. We are too. What are you What are you seeing from a health of these social businesses, these publishers, these agencies? How are How are people? Obviously, some will be doing well, but some, you know, lots are going into administration, and therefore there's an opportunity to pick them up there. How do you How do you see that sort of the industry is doing right now? I think there's a, a massive opportunity to combine sort of digital first, social first services with sort of digital media and these owned and operated communities. Um, I come from a sort of, uh, you know, digital services background um, and, and sort of I'm only recently getting more into the sort of digital publishing digital media side of things. Um, but I think that's sort of the, the model that's going to be more and more um, interesting because uh, the services form a sort of quite profitable cash generating sort of engine. And then the, these sort of online communities can grow very, very quickly. And that's where you get your sort of scale from. So I think that um, it'd be interesting to, to, to see what happens with sort of S4 Capital and sort of where, where obviously they've been enormously successful over the past two years um, but I guess my only sort of criticism would be is that sort of the, the model is still pretty similar to the old school model of um, just buying buying and building a, a sort of a, a services group whereas I think there are some more sort of interesting smaller companies out there that are, have the services thing but they also have this uh, sort of audience that is across you know different verticals, different sectors, different platforms. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I think S4 are in a better position than the other ones, but I still don't think that's the solution. Um, you know, you, you've got a 75-year-old accountant. It's probably not the person to go and build a new social first agency. Um, so I want to talk about the hook um, a little bit. It's a, it's a huge property. Um, I was... I was surprised at how good a deal you got, shall I say. That's a really, really good set of assets. There's been a lot of great stuff there. Um, obviously must have had a, um, a bad period to be, to be sort of forced into the situation that, we're, that they're in. Um, 
talk to us about what you see in the hook and and why you why you went and and made that purchase when you did sure so um i've always had a a lot of respect for the brand um and i started talking to andy fiddler the uh, ceo and founder at the beginning of the year about a sort of potential tie-up and i think the the guys were really really unlucky and that sort of covid hit them quite hard and i guess it's worth pointing out that when we bought the hook the world was in meltdown, right? Like the, the, the news and the press was unbelievably sort of negative. The markets were, were sort of collapsing. And so, yes, we got a, a, a really good price. And I think, you know, now that looks really good. But at the time, we definitely, uh, we, we took a risk. And I think that risk is, is beginning to pay off. Um, but, you know, it, it was definitely a risk given the sort of context of the, 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 the world. And, 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 and in particular, you know, marketing, I think we, we, we had seen, CPMs dropped quite significantly across Facebook and YouTube and, and other platforms. And so it wasn't like we just sort of um, bought at the, at the top of the market. Um, I think that the sort of the backdrop was, 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 was quite scary, but things did, you know, did get recover pretty quickly. I think you may have bought at the bottom of the market, to be honest. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope the so. ideal scenario. Um, yeah, yeah it's, the, the hook is, is super exciting because... Um, it's, it's audience is cross platform from day one. So we have a big audience on Instagram. We have a big audience on, on TikTok. And then we also have the, the audiences on Facebook and YouTube, uh, which we sort of already had through Brave Bison's other sort of social channels. I, I also think there's something really nice in its sort of tone of voice. It's, it's kind of, it's youth entertainment, but there's sort of a, a layer of, I guess comedy, which is 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 really interesting, and I think is sort of is going to is going to be what brands are, are going to want to sort of be a part of. Um, and, and I think just the the way in which they've been able to sort of tell stories is 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 has been really really interesting. And I think there are there's, there are some sort of um, sites or, or or brands out there that are a little bit maybe more negative or sort of. Um, difficult for brands to sort of be a part of, but I think the hook has got a really interesting and, and, and um, modern personality. And what's your integration strategy? How how are the hook and and Brave Bison and Tangent sort of together? How does that how does that look as as a integrated entity? So Tangent is currently completely separate um, from uh, Brave Bison. Um, Tangent's got uh, a, a roster of really phenomenal clients. Um, so we work with a, a combination of sort of large enterprises like SAP, uh, which is a sort of global uh, software business, uh, IWG, which is actually uh, the sort of largest flexible workspace provider in the world. So it's much bigger than we work. Um, we work with the Labour Party. Uh, we've just started working with Reed. We've just started working with Amazon. Um, so typically sort of, you know, your, 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 your FTSE 100 or FTSE 250 blue chip companies. And then we also work with sort of series A or getting to series A funded startups um, that, that are sort of keen to scale really, really quickly. Um, and Tangent basically is a, is a digital experience agency. So we build, you know, heavy platforms, websites, apps, chatbots, um, customer portals, we optimize those digital experiences and we, and we then support them. So we have about a team of 75 people across London and Newcastle um, that consists of product designers, UI, UX designers, product managers, project managers, engineers, strategists. Um, we're, sort of, we're very sort of product development orientated. We also have a data science team. 
Um, and then Brave Bison is obviously much more sort of social orientated. Uh, we have a, an influencer business. We have a, a YouTube channel management business and we have a, a publishing business. Uh, and that business and Brave Bison sits across London and, and, and Singapore um, and hopefully soon to be sort of Japan. And we're looking quite closely at the Philippines. Why Japan and the Philippines? Just out of curiosity. So I obviously you guys are in Singapore as well. Um, and, and what we've sort of found is that sort of Singapore is very much the sort of HQ for that part of the world. Um, and it's a really interesting market because we found it to be maybe slightly less developed on the social and, and, and influencer marketing side of things compared to the UK. Um, but uh, there's just massive opportunity in, in both those markets. Um, and, and our team speaks sort of the, the, the relevant languages and is really keen on sort of uh, the, 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 those cultures and, and, and growing sort of our, our, our reach into, into those sort of communities. Yeah, it's an issue culturally across Asia, actually, we see it, that particularly with influencers, it's, it's behind. And it's behind for a weird reason. It's because Asian parents don't recognise being a YouTuber or an influencer as a profession, really. And it's much more mm. driven by what their parents think than we are in the West, for example. So like you, you've got massive, massive influencers there that might earn a million dollars a year that will be working a $50,000 a year job in a bank because if they don't, their parents will think that they're not doing anything. Like it's a, So it's, it just hasn't been accepted culturally as a profession yet, kind of where we were maybe five, six, seven years ago in the US, you know, if you said, oh, I'm a YouTuber, people were like, okay, what's that? Whereas now everyone wants to be a YouTuber. Um, yeah, I think even the term influencer is, is sometimes considered to be sort of a, a bit more of a dirty word in, in that part of the region. And sort of maybe the, the, the sort of term creator is probably preferred. Um, I still think there's a sort of a, a creator culture, but, but as you say, it's, it's slightly different in, in different markets. So from an asset point of view, are you still very active? Are you looking, did you have a look at Joe? Are you looking right now at other similar social businesses? Is this something that we're going to see you continue to to invest in? Are you looking to build a, you know, a, a sort of vast network of, of these entities? What's your, what's sort of the ambition? Yeah, I think, I think Brave Bison and, and Tangent um, uh, will be acquisitive over the next 12 months. I think that scale is important. And, and as we sort of talked about, uh, there's definitely opportunity um, in, in this climate. Um, with, with Brave Bison being a sort of PLC, obviously, there's a, there's a sort of slight limit to what, to what I can say. But as you mentioned, Joe Media sort of went into administration a, a couple of weeks ago. And that's the sort of thing that would be uh, certainly interesting to us. I th yeah, I thought that'd be right up your street. Incredible that that got to where it got to, to be honest. It seemed like such a strong business nine months ago. Um, how how do you see the holding companies coping over the next year or so? The WPPs, publicists um, of this world, the Dentsus, even Accenture and people like that. I think I think those certainly the sort of the, the bigger you get, the sort of less nimble you become. Um, it was interesting to see MNC Saatchi sort of delay their results yesterday, um, and I know they've had a sort of a, a tough eighteen months. 
Um, but I think that, that creatively, you know, those guys have some, some awesome talent um, and some awesome, some awesome agency brands. Um, I, I know James Hilton really, really well, and, and that, that he's someone I have enormous respect for. Um, and, yeah, I know James. And James well, is nice the guy. sort of chairman of, of MNC Saatchi Performance. Um, so I think I think someone like James will, will do will do really well because his business is sort of set up in, in quite a progressive and, and, and modern way. Um, but certainly, I imagine some of the sort of more traditional creative agencies within some of the holding companies will be will be suffering. I mean, I think it's probably. I imagine it's more difficult to pitch a pure sort of creative solution uh, via like a Google Hangout or a Zoom than it is to pitch a sort of more delivery orientated, performance orientated campaign. So um, I, I don't know how the creative agencies are sort of holding up um, with, with sort of with regard to new business. And, and I imagine that might, might be quite difficult. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more that, the game has changed and they're not really, you know, you historically you go to a, um, and I'll, I'll name BBH, not because I think they're a bad agency. I actually think they're a really good agency, but you don't go to BBH for something to deliver in the next three or four days. You go to BBH to work out your sort of two, three year creative strategy plan. But let's be honest, no one's doing that right now. You know, there's no point in having a two-year or one-year or six-month plan right now because the world seems to be completely flipped on its head every two weeks. So I think it's it's more that for me that rather than the pitching. I think you can pitch, and we're we're doing that virtually. I think you can pitch successfully. It's just that what clients wanted six months ago, they no longer want, and they want something different that... You know, I'm just not sure those big legacy agencies are set up to actually deliver it. I think they've they've never created something in three days. It's impossible to them. You know, it takes three months. And, you know, for, for people like us and you guys and others, you know, even three days is quite a long time to do something. So I think it's almost uh, that the rules of the game have changed. And so if you can't do things really quickly, if you can't put creative and media together, if you, you know, if you can't have a, a sort of deliverables based approach as well, I just think brands have, have changed what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think there'll, there'll, there'll always be a place for brilliant creative um, and, you know, brilliant creative is, is needed across digital, but I think there are certain elements of sort of digital marketing that you can dial up and dial down very, very quickly um, you know, lots of these platforms are, are, are self-serve um, and, and even there are sort of you know, influencer platforms now that you can, you know, r- run campaigns off very, very quickly. And I'm sure you guys uh, operate to sort of very tight deadlines. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I would agree that, that the game has changed and, and, and a month now is, uh, it feels like a very long time. Yeah, I mean, even TV ads, you know, the, you, we basically lived in a world of sort of three to four three to six tv ads a year per client you know they go and spend half a million a million two three million on those ads they'll be pretty generic like there is absolutely no value in those ads right now because it's a world that's unrecognizable you know what what are you gonna what is that ad gonna be if it's not everyone sat at home it's not going to connect with the consumers so you know, I think planning as well has been a big problem. Things have been planned so far in advance that as soon as COVID's happened, all those plans need to be thrown away. But 
they're just not necessarily able to create the new one quick enough. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think even at Tangent, we, we've seen sort of uh, an increased interest in more sort of optimization. I guess people people sort of acknowledge that um, their, their businesses are going to be sort of uh, moving more and more online and therefore they want to uh, optimize their, their digital experiences and their platforms as much as possible to sort of drive conversion rates um, and, and engagement rates as much as possible. So I think we'll see an increased investment on people um, building out their sort of social channels, but also building out their owned and operated platforms, whether or not that's a, a chatbot or an app or a, an e-commerce store. Staying on the idea about the creative, which, which we were discussing in there, I saw an article recently from The Drum talking about um, more more, more need for, I guess, the the human urge and the need to connect within uh, within content and stuff like that and sort of getting the humanity through. So do you think the brands are a lot more savvy to the humanity coming through from the marketing that they're doing uh, to sort of move themselves forward, especially on digital and social? I think they, they, they are. And I think we're, we're seeing that sort of more and more in TikTok. Um, you know, for me, TikTok is, is, is super, super creative in a way that maybe Instagram sort of isn't as much anymore. Um, I, I'm not sure of the exact stat, but I believe the sort of average video takes, you know, more than an hour to create. Um, and you're seeing lots, a lot less sort of filters and that it's very sort of talent centric and, and human centric. Whereas Instagram sort of started off being uh, much more sort of, you know, rose, rose tinted glasses. Um, and so, so I do think sort of creative is becoming much more import, important in both sort of uh, what people are engaging with, um, but also, you know, what, how brands are thinking to, to run their sort of campaigns on, on across social. And staying on that with like brands being sort of a bit more savvy about things, obviously we've had the recent, you know, the, the recent list that's come out about brands that aren't going to be working with Facebook and, you know, and the ones that are now pulling their budget and things like that. Do you think it's important, and like, have you seen it, uh, especially f- uh, in your position as well, with brands now coming to you, sort of asking, how can we, you know, how can we navigate this landscape in a sense of being a lot more brand aware and a lot more safe in a sense of what we put out to our community? Like, how how important is that to the brands you're speaking to now? Yeah, I think I think brands definitely are looking for as much consultancy and, and sort of handholding as possible. I think if you rewind. 50 years ago, you know, creative and media, two sides of the coin, relatively simple. The creative was sort of attached to the media. Often you had a big media agency and the creative would be given away for free. I think fast forward to the 25 years, everything got so much more complex with the sort of digital revolution. There are so many different platforms um, and there are so sort of many, I guess, pitfalls. Um, but it's nice to see uh, in the sort of next generation groups uh, the, the ability of, of sort of service providers to join up the dots a little bit more and, and, and bring creative and media sort of together in a way that maybe hasn't been done uh, as much as it should have been done over the past sort of 10 years. So I think with what's going on at the moment, with so much disruption and so many sort of changes in what's going on in the world, it feels, certainly for us, it feels like there's an opportunity to show brands that maybe wouldn't have sort of been brave enough to try new things six months ago 
sort of what's out there and and is that something that you i mean like we're going to see as in any recession you see a huge amount of optimization you see a huge amount of the marketing mix changing it's, it goes more towards performance like does that give you confidence that brands are going to get hooked into social and then sort of never go back you know that that's almost what it feels like the opportunity is now so you have to do social right now and once you've done it you probably won't go back to the traditional way of doing it in a year definitely i, I think that uh, lots of our clients are taking a sort of test and learn approach um, especially with some of the the new platforms tiktok and, and snapchat we're doing some really interesting things um, and so I, I think brands as well as sort of agencies and businesses are being forced to think outside the box more try new things fail but fail fast and then and then iterate accordingly um, and so that that will inevitably lead to sort of you know uh, uh, more um, brave creative uh, and campaigns that are sort of really really pushing the the, the envelope how how are you dealing with success you know how are you dealing with the fact that you know you are buying businesses and administration and stuff like that there's a you know it's quite it's it's very sort of sharp capitalist in a way isn't it um but i don't mean that in a negative way because i think it's exactly what you should be doing and it's how we create a, a sort of a better ecosystem to come out the other side has that been something that personally you've sort of been aware of that you're obviously you're dealing with some people that are, are really suffering, but there's an opportunity sort of because of that suffering. Like, How do you actually manage that mentally for yourself? I think success is, is different for everyone and it, it is difficult to sort of define in, in black and white terms. Um, I certainly feel that there's an opportunity across both Tangent and Brave Bison to build a, a really exciting business, a really exciting group. I think to do that against the backdrop of uh, potentially a global recession and certainly a global downturn, you have to be quite uh, sort of cautious with 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 costs um, and, and really sort of with regard to our acquisition of the hook. Um, I guess it was opportunistic, um, but ultimately we're, we're we're sort of keen to to grow and build out that that brand. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't think it's sort of too shark esque. Um, I mean, the businesses are, I think, uh, are there to, um, you know, I think I like the idea of building something um, over the next five, ten, fifteen years um, that I, I'm proud of that that makes money for for me, but also makes money for for staff and makes money for our shareholders, but also. Um, I think is 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 worth leaving behind. I think there's no there's no point building something that's just not worth leaving behind at the end of it all. This is about legacy, really, for you. Yeah, I think that's important. And are you are you finding that the that there is a a bigger desire from founders now to sort of roll up into something than maybe there was a year ago? I suppose partly through through fear and things like that, or not. I've, I think a lot of founders get obsessed with the idea of the exit um, and, and sort of the, the VC culture in, in London, I guess, um, sort of perpetuates this idea of, you know, uh, constantly increasing valuations and, and exits to Google and Facebook and Amazon. Um, but I think that 
I'm not sure it's a good idea to start a business with a view to selling it. I just think that's quite a um, sort of it's just it's just the, the wrong way around. You, you, it, why would you why would you sell a, an awesome business? And if you're trying to build an awesome business, you know you, you should be try, trying to keep hold of it and, and growing it. And so I think that, that some some founders uh, become a little bit too obsessed with selling out and they start a business in order to sell it in three years. And I'm not sure that makes for a particularly good culture or sort of you know, long-term vision. So is your, your, you don't have a plan sort of laid out um, that you're all working towards with a date in the future that you're looking to sell. You're, you're just looking to continue to grow and rather than actually look for that exit down the line. I think capital events are important, um, but but ultimately we're looking to to grow a, a profitable, sustainable business that that we're proud of as as a team, and that's across both businesses. Um, that there there may be an exit at some point, but that's not what we're sort of planning, and there's definitely no no date. Um, I think I think the beauty of, of Brave Bison being a public company is that you know we 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 can scale. Um, we do have access to capital, um, and so it, it should be about building, not not building and buying, not 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 selling. Um, Tangent is, is is privately owned, so there are slight, some slightly more sort of restrictions, but we're we're profitable, and so um, we're, we're cash generative, and so there, 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 there are opportunities in that space as well. I'm also 28, and so I'm not looking to sort of retire or, or, or you know take a two year sabbatical. The idea of not not working at the sort of uh, intensity that I have been over the past sort of few months actually quite scares me. I, I really enjoy it, and it, and it's, it stimulates me. So, last question from me, Ollie. Um, so, you know, someone in a similar position, there's a, there's a lot of responsibility, a huge amount of uncertainty. How how have you found it? Have you have you been out on the golf course? Or is there anything you've been doing to try and sort of relax yourself or a mantra that you've been telling yourself like how have you it's been such a roller coaster you must have you must have felt that um how you have you dealt with it i've I've definitely been exercising more than usual um i bought a peloton about two years ago and i do that every single morning for about half an hour um i wake up early i wake up at about 6 15 do my peloton for half an hour um and i so i start the day uh really fresh and with a clear head um, and then I think it's just about organization. Um, I, I love Slack. I love Trello. And I'm on those tools the whole time looking at sort of priorities. And, 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 and I create lots of, I have lots of lists of things to try and check off in the day or in the week. Um, and then I guess the other sort of thing I, I, I'm trying to um, use to sort of just, I guess, uh, smooth everything out it's just it's it's as much communication as possible um and that's not always on 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 zoom or google hangouts i I still think there's a place for just a phone call that's not sort of you know as intimate as a as a face-to-face uh sort of video call um and so so just just catching up with um the different teams has been super important to me and how have you found that sort of management style? Like, is it, you know, is it completely different to what your day-to-day was, obviously? Like, you know, is what what sort of changes have you made, I guess, to like, is there more sort of, I guess, have you given over some of those, you know, the, the day-to-days to the, you know, the, the guys that are just one step below you to sort of manage that as well, like when it comes to team-to-team stuff? 
the, the, the teams are, 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 are sort of very empowered. Um, and then a sort of a slightly recent development is that um, my brother has, has joined me in, in, in across both businesses, um, Theo, and, and he's been unbelievable. Um, definitely couldn't have, have sort of been, been, wouldn't have been able to do the acquisition of the hook without Theo. Um, he, he's incredible at, at, at all things, sort of financial and commercial. Um, and, and he's been working with me across uh, Brave Bison and Tangent, um, which has been awesome. Um, and, and definitely, um, you know, speak to him probably. <laughs> 35 times a day uh, across every different platform. Uh, but, I, but I'm really lucky to have a, a super strong team. Um, the, the Brave Bison CFO is a, is a lady called Philippa who used to work with me at Tangent, um, which is, and, and so that's sort of been, been, been really useful, been massively impressed with the Brave Bison team over the past few months. And likewise, uh, the Tan, Tangent senior management team has been awesome, really, really stepped up. Um, across their own teams, but also in terms of comms with me. Mm. And one, one, one final question from me is something that we've asked all of the the guests on the podcast. It's sort of obviously you're very di- you're obviously focused on digital. We're focused on digital. But how do you see the marketing mix sort of changing up over the next couple of months? You know, we've already seen budgets coming from you know TV to from radio to you know focus on digital. How do you see the marketing mix changing over the over the next few months? Yeah, I definitely see in- increased investment in digital and, and specifically social. Um, I think that there's just so much more flexibility. Um, brands don't have to think about sort of three, four, five months time. They can be a lot more reactive. Um, they, they can plan as well. There's, there's that sort of ability. But if something happens, they can they can duck and dive and, and that sort of leanness and that and that, that ability to be nimble, I think is so important in these environments, especially with things like surges in certain markets or certain cities or certain regions. Um, so I, I, I definitely triple down on, 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 on social and triple down on, on digital. And, and I also think there's, there's probably an uh, even bigger emphasis on, on talent and, and creators. Um, I think having people that sort of, you know, are, are ambassadors for your, uh, brand that have a super engaged audiences uh, you know have never been more important because people are, are craving sort of human interaction having been um you know pretty much locked up for the past three months yeah of course and i, th- I guess that sort of circles back to that whole idea of the humanity of content coming through now um we're not after a sterile TV advert. We're not waiting for Christmas to see what John Lewis no, are going to no. do right now. So it's the least it's of that our velocity worries. of content, and I know it's a term that's sort of thrown yes. around, but I think it's it's never been more important. Um, yeah, just love love seeing what you guys are doing. It's it's great to see, you know, anybody. You know, my my big vision, our big vision, is to go and build a a new holding group, but. You know, I, I don't think there's room for just one new one. I think there's there's room for all of these to be replaced with new versions. And so, you know, anybody that's that's trying to do a you know their own version of that same vision, I, I'm I'm completely behind and, and absolutely believe in. So, you know, I've got no doubt that that this would be a huge success because it's you are pulling the right assets in for sure. Um, so yeah, just keep going. Let's let's go and take those big boys down. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. Well, th- thank you, for Ollie, for uh, joining us today. Um, and if you want to find out more about Ollie, uh, you can find him on LinkedIn and also search for Brave Bison and Tangent to find out 
uh, all of the latest they're up to as well. Um, from myself and Aaron, you can obviously find us at the Goat Agency on LinkedIn or on YouTube, where we vlog our agency's work daily. And uh, thank you for joining us on the 30,000 foot view. Do subscribe to all of the other podcasts coming out of the marketing agency.